Welcome to the Sovereign Love Stream podcast with your hosts, Danny and Vanessa Panzella Velez. Join us and special expert guests as we discuss love, sex, parenting, psychedelics, and spirituality. Please subscribe now and join us bi-weekly on Sundays at SovereignLoveStream.com for our live video broadcast. Please check out our social media on censorship-free platforms like Minds.com, Float.app, and Odyssey.com. Find links to all of our social media at SovereignLoveStream.com. If you would like to support our show with an energy exchange, please visit us at Patreon.com slash SovereignLoveStream. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, Sovereign. Welcome to, to the Sovereign, Sovereign Love Stream. <laughs> Happy Sovereign Sunday. Um, we're a bit of a, like um, out of it today. We are on the road um, currently in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa Alabama. Alabama. On the road, we're road tripping from Brooklyn down to Austin, Texas, to speak at the Greater Reset Conference. Uh, if you want to check out, check that out. It's thegreaterreset.org, um, and that will be we will be broadcasting our talk on Tuesday, um, but it starts Tuesday morning, and um, it's a whole bunch of talks about basically about different aspects of sovereignty, food sovereignty, and um, uh, you know uh, medical sovereignty, and basically every aspect of life, we're going to be speaking specifically about maintaining the frequency of sovereignty. So we're going to be talking mostly about spiritual sovereignty and how to stay centered in these crazy times. Um, so we're excited to be a part of that, uh, to have been invited to speak um, at the conference alongside some cool names like um, RFK Jr. and um, Catherine Austin Fitz and James Corbett and um, Foster Gamble is going to be speaking as well. We're really excited, so forgive any technical difficulties. We're sh here shooting at Starbucks, and I want to give Starbucks a shout out. Shout out because um, recently the uh, a federal judge knocked down the federal vaccine mandate for uh, businesses, and Starbucks was one of the first large corporations to remove the vaccine mandate for their employees. So thank you, Starbucks, and I wanted to come support you with a a latte. <laughs> So today we have Charlie and Shelly Winninger, and Charlie is the author of Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA. They will be joining us to tell us about their journey with MDMA. Now, we have ourselves kind of stumbled across um, MDMA. A friend of ours recommended it to us a few years ago, and we started using it um, I would say intuitively, we started using it as a couples therapy tool. So I know a lot of people will use MDMA, uh, also known as ecstasy or Molly, to um, rave. They use it to dance all night, and you know that's totally cool. We use it for relationship therapy. Um, so what we started to do was have these um, what we call MDMA ceremonies, where we would sit together in our bedroom and we would take MDMA and we would roll. And while we were doing this, we would be talking about all kinds of things. Um, we'd be talking about fights we've had, traumas, lots of traumas have come up. And that's why we're, we're really excited to have Charlie and Shelly on because when I just happened to find his book a few years later after, after we just kind of intuitively developed this MDMA practice, 
um, I saw Charlie's book come out and I got really excited because it really validated a lot of the things that we were already doing. Um, it's great when you can get um, medical professionals. Charlie is a licensed a psychoanalyst um, and he works specifically with couples. And so we were. it was really exciting to have a professional like that really validate what we kind of intuitively stumbled into. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome Charlie and Shelly Winninger. We are so excited to have you guys on. Thank you. Hi, we're thrilled to be here. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Well, now that we, due to technical difficulties, are repaired, we're doing great. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm glad that we got that worked out. So, Charlie, um, we are absolutely interested in your perspective as a professional therapist and your perspective on MDMA from a, from a, um, a professional point of view. So we want to kind of talk about that a little bit first, because we then we really want to shift into your perspective as a couple that uses MDMA together. Um, there's a lot of our our show and our listeners are really more interested in the relational aspects. Um, we can certainly find a lot of the medical information elsewhere, but I, I definitely I do want to kind of just touch on that a little bit. Um, so if you could first actually just introduce your professional credentials and, um, you know, just give us a little bit of, of a primer on your experience with MDMA as a professional. Okay. Well, uh, I am a licensed psychoanalyst and licensed mental health counselor. I've been in practice for about 33 years. Half my practice is couples. Uh, the other half is individuals. And... Um, uh, I have, I'm personally, I, uh, proudly identify as a psychonaut and, um, uh, Shelly and I have done MDMA about 75 times over the past 20 years. And professionally, what this has done is it has informed me. I, I consider myself an, uh, an MDMA-informed or inspired, MDMA-inspired therapist. And what that means is that the uh, increased uh, knowledge and wisdom and compassion and empathy that I've been able to, uh, to build over time with the help of MDMA, I bring into the therapy room. And um, I, I don't use MDMA in, the, in my practice, but uh, I uh, use my experience with MDMA to help set the tone, uh, the setting, if you will, of, uh, of, my, uh, of a therapy session, uh, trying to imbue that with the same kind of sense of safety and well-being that one can have during an MDMA role. So is that it? Beautiful. Um, yeah, you know, I we wanted to share a little bit. We had, um, our audience knows that we had a very toxic relationship in the beginning. For years, we were both struggling with our own personal traumas, and then we were re-traumatizing each other in our relationship. Or triggering those traumas. At, or triggering those yeah. traumas. <laughs> I think probably a little bit of both. Um, and we went to couples therapy for a while, and 
admittedly, I was in such a traumatized state that I was really exhibiting a lot of narcissistic uh, attributes or tendencies. You know, I, I, I was, wasn't diagnosed as a narcissist, but I certainly was, I had a very uh, hard time empathizing. So we would sit in these ther therapy sessions and Vanessa would express something and then I would become defensive and be unable to empathize with her point of view and then just argue my side. And after a few months of therapy, the therapist suggested we get on SSRIs. And I had been put on SSRIs years before when my mother passed away and decided I'm never taking these again. They made me feel like a zombie and I refused. So I took offense to that suggestion. Now, <laughs> we joked yesterday, had he suggested MDMA and I tried that, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been open to it, open to it back then. I was not a psychonaut yet. Um, I was I had a fairly conservative view of, of drugs at the time. Um, but that would have definitely opened it, opened me up a lot more. Um, and then when one of our friends suggested we try MDMA, we did it in a way where we, we started to practice using it um, at home alone, not in a rave setting, but um, in a talk therapy sort of situation where we would talk about whatever issues were present at that moment. And what I love about MDMA is that it wasn't just where that I could empathize while I was rolling, but MDMA actually taught me how to empathize. And I could feel the frequency of empathy. And, you know, then I was able to replicate that. And I became a much more empathetic person due to my use of M uh, MDMA. So I'd love for you to speak to that. I love what you're saying and how you're putting it there, Danny, because like that's been my experience too, is that, um, first of all, my experience is that the results are cumulative over time. Uh, the more we've rolled, the more it's, 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 it's uh, embedded in my being. Uh, and it certainly helped me become a more compassionate and empathetic partner uh, and, and therapist. Uh, and uh, I don't have to be high to, to, to be empathetic and compassionate. And no one does. But and like you say, MDMA gives you a, a visceral experience of opening your heart and, 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 and your whole body and, uh, and your whole being to someone else. Uh, and, uh, and that can be something that you take with you after you come down, and that's the beauty of the medicine. <laughs> no, thank you. Yes, yes, uh, one hundred percent agree. And I think that that was it was a huge contrast from being in therapy, where in therapy we still had those walls completely up, trying to work through our our traumas, trying to work through our um, our differences. You know, there's there are all these layers of defense mechanisms, and in a forty five minute session with a therapist, it's almost impossible to get to a place where we were actually saying what we really felt and while rolling it the defense mechanisms completely disappeared and we could say the things that we really felt and 
like you were saying earlier, we felt completely safe in doing so. And I think once you have that experience of expressing yourself and feeling safe, you can carry that moving forward. Now you've created a new neural pathway where you're like, oh, yes, I can express myself in safety. And that exists as an option. So we would love for you to talk a little bit about the, the um, chemical reaction or, or how that, why that, why does MDMA do that? Why does it set up that, that environment? Well, it's simple. It, it is simple chemistry. Uh, what happens with MDMA is it floods your system with uh, your own serotonin. Okay, your serotonin in your body gets released, uh, and the serotonin is the mood hormone. And so, it raises your your sense of uh, of happiness and well being, and also it stimulates oxytocin, which uh, helps uh, feel help you feel in love and and connected to uh, to whoever you're with. So that's what happens chemically, and there are chemicals in our in our body. That's what we're you know we're, we're made up of of these chemicals, and so it gives us a felt uh, uh, and lived experience at the time uh, of the sense of safety and well-being and love. And so we can open up, the defenses come down temporarily, uh, you open up to your partner, and like you say, you get a sense of what it's like. And you realize during that time that, oh, I said all these, these very vulnerable things during our role, and they're still with me the day after and the day after that. Uh, they, 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 and they said these vulnerable things, and we realized we can be, we can exist on, and relate on that level, going forward, because it, uh, we we got this experience that it's it's okay to do that, and of course after that, uh, we were never the same. That we always be open and vulnerable with each other, and that that's really such a key to relationship happiness. But yes. not, not even with each other over the years, without even trying, I was able to forgive my mother, who I had a contentious relationship with, and my ex-husband. Uh, I didn't even try. Never, never took a session of, you know, when we did it, never said, okay, I'm going to work on this. It, it just happened, I guess, organically. It, it just happened. And now I can understand probably why they were the way they were or are. Yes, for sure. We were actually just thinking about this because we had um, an MDMA session on New Year's Eve. That's kind of become our, our New Year's Eve tradition. And we, um, I, I love this um, this comment that you made in one of your interviews where you said um, that it works for the betterment of well people as well. And so we're in this place where a lot of our relationship traumas have have calmed down we've done a lot of healing so now when we go into our sessions we end up other other things come up other people come up and we spent new year's eve sending love out into deep into the hearts of our family members of people that we've been having a difficult relationship with um, that we haven't been able to communicate with and as we talk through that 
we start having more empathy for them, more understanding, and it becomes a little bit easier to relate to them. And yes, when we go forward after the role, weeks later, months later, we we have that memory of that mo that feeling of empathy for them. And um, a story that I, I like to tell is that um, for us, we, we like to play um, like binaural beats while we're doing these um, our, our sessions. And I've had experiences where I'm talking with people and they start to open up and it's like in the back of my head, I hear the music. And I, it almost like signals to my brain, oh, this is a heart opening moment. Like this is, this is how my like all these memories pop up of the music, of the setting, and I, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a heart opening moment. Somebody's being vulnerable with me. I feel it because I hear the music. I hear the setting of how we have our our ceremonies at this point, and how um, I know the feeling now of that openness without having taken the MDMA in those moments. Yes. yes. I have a song that when the day after Charlie proposed, we went upstate New York to um, a park and we, we rolled and I played a song over and over and over again. It was Enya's, sec uh, Enya's Flora's Secret about flowers. And where we were, it was perfectly it, it, the sky was blue. It was beautiful. And I played it, I don't know, 20, 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. By the way, folks, that story is detailed in uh, Charlie's book. I want to give a little, a little commercial for the book here. Listening to Ecstasy, the transformative power of MDMA. Charlie tells that story and a bunch of other stories uh, as well that are really, really powerful. Um, and you can get that book at charliewinninger.com, as well as, I assume, major retailers, right? Yeah. That's right. Or listening to ecstasy.com, actually. Yeah. Oh, oh. Cool. <laughs> listening to ecstasy.com. Um, <clears throat> oh, I lost my train of thought doing the commercial. Oh, but, I, I was, but what I wanted to say was you about music that I can listen to the music now. 20 to that song 15 yeah i can listen to that song and it brings me back to the feeling mm -hmm. i can feel like i'm under the sun rolling now this is 15 years later yeah. 16 yeah. something like yeah. that yeah it's called anchoring it has a name uh, uh using music or a physical sensation in your body or whatever to uh, doing a role to anchor the feeling in your system so that you can call it up afterwards mm. weeks months or, or years afterwards yeah. yes yeah. Uh, i would love that. to hear shelly's perspective on the first time she used mdma <laughs> <laughs> that's in the book too <laughs> <laughs> uh well my son who loved mdma when I told him, I, I was just curious what it felt like. He told me to shut my eyes. And we were in a restaurant. We were celebrating a bur my birthday. This was before you ever did it. Before right? I yeah. ever did it. Yeah. And he told me to close my eyes. And he took his hand and very gently just rubbed like this. And I'm like, woo, this feels nice. <laughs> and when it came time for us, when, he, when we did it, um, 
I spent more time just touching my body, touching my face, exploring. No sex was involved at all. Uh, but it was pretty sensual. It was very sensual. Yeah. And um, then I said it, it had started, uh, it was in the summer, so it had started a light rain. And we were at some a friend's house, and uh, he they weren't there, and they had a big backyard, secluded. So I said, I want to go out there naked in the rain. <laughs> yes. And I did, and it was just amazing. I never realized how sensual a person I was until that experience. Wow, that's yes. powerful to unlock a piece, something that was inside of you there, but just locked away. Yeah. And I yep. think that goes back to that that feeling of safety that you feel in the in the moment when you're rolling, where you're safe to be your authentic self, to express yourself authentically, and then recognize, oh, I can do this, right? Because I think we go through life so much um, being afraid to be ourselves, being afraid to open up, to share. And um, that's actually something I wanted to bring up because um, we were talking about the um i heard you mention um charlie that one of the issues with modern day relationships right now is that separation from community right that it's it's this individuality and what ends up happening is that we as couples feel scared to have issues right this idea of going to therapy is scary you don't want anybody to know you're going to therapy you don't want anybody to know you're having issues and um it creates this this loneliness i think for us i i personally felt very lonely when we were going through a lot of our traumas because i felt like nobody would understand nobody knows what it's like to go through this because in my mind everybody has very easy relationships why should why is our relationship so difficult and then um, as we've started this podcast, as we've started talking to other couples, we realized so many people have so many of these um, situations and issues. And um, I feel like that open, that safetyness, that safety feeling that gets created with MDMA ends up um, allowing us to open up because I feel like after that, I became more open in sharing my experiences with other people. I wanted people to know. Help, we lost your video. Hold on. Can you hear us? You're still live. I don't know. We lost audio. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. okay, good. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, now I understand what you're saying very much and uh, the sense of isolation, especially in the last two years uh, that we have. I mean, it's a, it's, as far as I'm concerned, there's a COVID epidemic and there's the loneliness and isolation epidemic. And they go hand in hand, of course. Uh, and for couples, it can, for single people, it can be really um, quite uh, horrific. But for couples, too, uh, where we feel cut off and, uh, and estranged from each other. I'm a big believer in community. I, I like to say that it takes a it, it takes a, a, a village to raise a relationship. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, it, it takes other couples. It takes other people. Uh, we're not meant to just 
uh, have two people serve each other or in a way where we are each other's total social support system. That, that's, that's not natural and it's not the way we're built. We're, we're meant to have the whole, the whole community around us, whether that community is, is family or uh, congregation or your tribe or your pod or whatever it is, friends. Uh, we, we all need that. Uh, and part of the reason we need that is, like you said, we need to compare notes with other people and other couples who are going to be honest and open and, and to realize that, oh, we're not alone in having uh, issues and, 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 and struggles. It's actually quite normal. It's par for the course. Yeah, and I think that it also releases that level of shame that we end up holding onto when we have this yeah. this issue. Then you're like, oh no, I failed somehow, and there now you're in the relationship feeling shame within the relationship, which also carries into how you relate to your partner, um, in addition to any of the other shame or trauma that might already exist. Yes, and uh, shame, of course, thrives in the dark. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, uh, being isolated like that can increase the sense of shame and the sense that only we have issues, everyone else is happy out there, because it's nonsense. <laughs> um, everyone has issues, every couple has issues. Uh, and um, uh, so, uh, uh, the way to. Uh, to deal with that and to and the way to overcome the shame is by by doing the beautiful work that the two of you do by being open and honest uh and putting it out there about that that's you know uh using yourself uh, as uh as a way of saying look we go through stuff and you might too and let's talk well that's what we say all the time is that we're not gurus we're just sharing our stories and hoping that it it touches something or somebody can something somebody resonates with something and the, the different modalities that we've used like mdma we're just sharing that and if it works for you great and if it doesn't it's okay you can leave it rick doblin um i had heard him say that mdma um lowers the volume i, I like to say it lowers the volume on your ego but he was saying that it kind of turns down the fear center in the brain. So the, with the fear, not with not that fear not present, you can be free to be vulnerable. And I think that is really, for me, one of the most crucial things um, to my healing was MDMA helping me not be afraid to share who I really was uh, with Vanessa. And I, I know that you mentioned it in the book um, about when you and Shelly first got together, you had some reservations about revealing your full self to her. Uh, could you speak a little bit to that? Is that too personal? Uh, no, um, I don't remember exactly what, what that was about. Um, uh, I think the context was maybe um, maybe trauma or or patterns from your, first, or your, your last marriage, yeah. and then you were coming in and um, I guess, I, I don't know if you used the words, I didn't deserve her love or didn't feel like I deserved her love, but it was something maybe- Well, like it, it, with my first marriage, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I sort of had the, the idea that relationships were all about drama and struggle and hardship only. 
uh, and that that's just the daily price one had to pay to have a partner. And because of that, uh, and because of a lifetime up to that point of relationships like that, I went very slow with this woman. Um, <laughs> don't, don't be happy to tell you uh, how long it took for me to, to declare my love to her. Exactly one year to the day that we had our first date. Yes. Wow. Which, which you will never forgive me for. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, and partly actually is because I didn't even know it. My heart knew it. My head did not know it. I, I have a thick skull and it took a while for the message to, 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 to get up here. Um, uh, but I was, uh, I, I, I think trauma is too strong a word, but I was uh, really affected by the lifetime of, of these difficult relationships. I was slow to open because I was scared to open. Uh, it, it would seem like Shelly had to one day reveal her true <laughs> horrible self to me because she seemed to be too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> just such loving, happy, upbeat, normal, emotionally intelligent human being. And how dare you, Shelley? How <laughs> dare you be emotionally intelligent? <laughs> and so, like, it took me a while to get it through my thick skull that this is who she was. That what I saw was what I got, and and um, she wasn't going to um, turn into something else uh, one day. So um, I uh, it I took, made it you took, happy. Yes. Oh, oh, oh she. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so she made me happy, and it's like, uh, and did I deserve that? You know, that was another issue. So it took me a while uh, to fully open to her, and fully realize that uh, that I was crazy in love with her, just not gonna head over heels in love with her, and I wanted to get as close to her as I could, uh, which is something I haven't felt with too many human beings in this lifetime. So. Um, uh, you know, I wish that when, when we were introducing you before you guys were live, I want to tell the audience, they snuck in a few kisses and I was like, man, I wish that was live. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What I wanted to say is that that also speaks to that, that comment that you said, the betterment of well people, right? Because some people might listen to this and think, oh, well, I don't have traumas. I don't have like major traumas. So how would this even help me at all? Right? I don't need this. And so I think that when, when we talk about how sometimes these small things create a slight barrier in a couple and we don't even recognize it, it's kind of like when you have brain fog and all of a sudden you have clarity and, you, and like this has happened to me recently. Um, where I all of a sudden felt clarity and said, oh my God, I've been operating in fog for so long and didn't even realize it. And I think a lot of couples um, go through that where they're like, okay, we're cruising on by and things are all right. Um, and, they, and they don't recognize that but there's so much more depth to that relationship, to that love. Um, and I think MDMA has the power to take you even deeper in into some of these areas where then you start recognizing, wait a minute, is there was there potentially something, some feelings of maybe not deserving this or 
did I, can I recognize that perhaps there was a fear that she would show herself. It was impossible that she could be this good. Um, and then once that comes out into the open, it's, you realize, oh, it, this was just a fear. <laughs> yes, just a fear. Well, how did you feel after <clears throat> my first roll? Uh, well, after or during, our, during our, our first, first roll. I was in awe of you. I could see the medicine impacting you and realize that the medicine and you went like hand in glove. <laughs> uh, and uh, I could see why it became your drug of choice overnight. And, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> it was, um, uh, it, it was really the, uh, it, it just you know, it brought out the best in, in both of us, I think, and made me realize that uh, yeah, these are just fears in my head, and that I don't have to listen to them so 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 much. Uh, and about your other comment about the betterment of well people, I, I wish I created, I, I made up that phrase. It, it's not me who made it up, but um, it's uh, it's it's really true that one does not have to be traumatized or have a a, a particular malady. That MDMA is, is, is can be can treat to uh, to benefit uh, from 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 this medicine. It can just enhance your life and enhance your relationship in in, in a dozen different ways. Uh, and our relationship has uh, been um, I wouldn't say 100% drama free. We've certainly had dramas in our life, but they've usually been not about us. You know, we've had health crises or um, a, a drama, a personal drama that Shelley went through and I went through last last spring, which we can talk about. But between she and I, uh, we really haven't had much drama. And that's been just remarkable and, and quite unusual. And so we haven't needed the MDMA, but... It's like a cake doesn't need icing, but <laughs> sure it tastes a lot better with it. Yes, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I, I would love if um, Shelly could share her experience and, and talk a little bit about this, this trauma that recently occurred and how MDMA played a role in, in the healing process. Oh. <laughs> Take your time. Uh, first, I want to, uh, while Shelly is getting her way together, I want to just, um, I'm sorry, I don't know how to text you this uh, because I'm not looking at your phone, but the wind is blowing on your mic, so you might want to protect the mic. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, okay. Um, so uh, uh, you want to start this or should I? I'll start it. So we're about to uh, take this whole story to a whole other level here, folks. Um, so uh, please bear with us. Uh, last May 13th, I woke up to sounds. Uh, I was in the bedroom and woke up to sounds coming from the living room that may you never hear in your life. Um, sounds of horrific uh, screaming and, and, and crying. And I came into the living room and uh, sat down and Shelly turned to me and said, it's Scott. 
which was her her firstborn and her son, age 39, um, who was uh, 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 had been suffering for years with various physical and mental maladies, but was but this was not something that we were expecting at all. Um, we still don't know what happened. We're still waiting for a report from the ME. But from the uh, autopsy. From the autopsy. But uh, we had planned to be involved in a group experience in a local park. And nine days later, a group MDMA experience was planned uh, that we were going to be a part of nine days after the event. May 22nd. Right. And I realized. I, I've never had to use the medicine for anything like this, but it would be very beneficial. So I said, I want to go ahead with it. And I want to take a little time out during the whole experience to have a grieving circle because it turned out that somebody who was coming to coming down from Boston actually had lost his mother the day before my son and one of my friends here in brooklyn had just lost her sister the day after my son and some friends of ours a friend of ours had lost his father and his sister a year ago almost to the day so um when it came time about an hour and a half into the road. Couple of uh, there were about forty people there, and uh, uh, a couple hours after we spent uh, the, the time uh, just um, uh, with the climb and 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 just hanging out with all these people, uh, we called a healing circle about together. Thirty-five people. And Thirty-five of the people uh, participated in this healing circle, and. One by one, uh, like this man who lost his mother and the other who lost uh, her um, sister. His sister and, and, and uh, told their story. And um, one of them, uh, <laughs> the man who lost his mother, uh, said, you know, I really feel like, uh, I, I feel like I could scream. Uh, and uh, at that point, I thought to myself, oh, please don't scream in the middle of Prospect Park here in Brooklyn with all these people around. <laughs> um, but Shelly. <laughs> I had, backstory is once I, I was doing, I went to therapy back before we got married and I, I had a really tough day at work. I was a nurse in a recovery room and I said, I feel like screaming. So he, my therapist at the time, handed me a pillow. He said, scream into the pillow. So I had it in the back of my mind because it really helped. And I actually, so here we are in the park, and this guy says he wants to scream. I handed him a pillow that happened to be around. I said, here, scream into this. So he did. Three times he yeah. screamed. Yeah. We applauded each time. Yeah, it was really cathartic for him. And uh, he actually had problems with his voice afterwards. <laughs> yeah, he really screamed. <laughs> he really screamed, but he said it helped. So one by one, people 
spoke and told their story and um, maybe shed some tears. And then it was Shelley's turn and she took out. Well, I had a picture that his girlfriend at the time had sent me and uh, I had it, somebody had enlarged it and put it in a frame, but I couldn't look at it until that moment. So I opened it up, showed it to everybody and started crying. And was telling us, uh, was telling everyone about how this poor man, 39 years old, had been in pain of one sort or another all his life. Um, physical maladies in the last several years, a lot of back pain and uh, all kinds of, of discomfort uh, and, 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 and some agony actually, and also mental issues all his life. Since the age of 11. Um, so Shelley was uh, telling people that and shedding some tears and then it was my turn to speak. And I said, so I said this for everyone to hear, I said, so Shelley, what I hadn't told you is that the day he died, nine days ago, we were sitting there in the living room and you were crying and I was too. And I, I had a sense that he was in the room. I had a sense that Scott was there hovering above us, smiling down. And he said, I'm free. And at that, Shelly burst like a dam uh, and excuse me, sobbed, the deepest sobs I've ever heard in my life with her heads in her head in there. We're recording now. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> sobbed with her head in her hands. And at that, you want to tell what happened or you want me so to? So my eyes were closed because I was just sobbing. And I could start feeling people coming around me. Somebody was going like this to my head. People were on my shoulders, my legs. And I started feeling energy and love. I'd never felt anything like that before. It was something almost surreal. And finally, I open my eyes and I see rows of people on their on a knee holding the shoulder of somebody in front of them. Remember, they have like 30 some odd people. And their heads were bowed. And they were sending energy. They were sending me love and energy. And I felt it. And remember, we're all on MDMA. So I was open to receive and they were open to give. And it was, it really, really, I even said to them, I thanked them when I was able to talk again. And I said, it really has started, helped me start my healing. Um, and, the, and now, ever since then, the only time I cry is when I tell the story. And it's not to say that Shelly doesn't bear this burden every day. He's on my phone. Right. When I turn my phone on, there yeah. he is. Yeah. It's the same picture that I had with me. So I see him all the time. I think about him all the time. We even had a 40th birthday 
not celebration exactly, but memorial. memorial at his favorite restaurant with some of his friends and my, my ex-husband and my daughter. And we plan to do it every year. And, uh, but um, I'm able to tell this story. And it's like, you know, he's my stepson and, and I feel the loss too, of course. Um, and the fact that this hasn't broken her, like it breaks some people, um, is uh, astounding to me. And it's partly because this woman is just incredibly resilient. Um, but it's also because of the power of the medicine and what it released that day. Yeah. We never thought that among all the applications of MDMA that could be used in the community setting to heal grief, but that's exactly yeah. what it did. I wanted to say that it's, first of all, thank you so much, Shelly, for sharing that story, for being so open and vulnerable with us. Um, I think it's one of the most fascinating things about this whole story is you, we started this by you sharing that he introduced you to MDMA. You know, he told you about it and for it to be the thing that helps you heal that loss as well is just this like beautiful circle. Like a synchronicity. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, it's, and, and that experience that you described and I'm, I was thinking, look at what he created that you could sit, sit in the pride of what your son created. He created yeah. that moment for you. Well, I have to tell so beautiful. at his funeral, this, somebody took a picture of me. I, I had a hundred milligram capsule, hundred milligrams of MDMA. At his graveside. And I, at, somebody <laughs> took a picture of me pouring it over his coffin. Oh, oh that's, that's beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah, and look, here you are now teaching others to grieve by sharing that story and, and helping ease the grief of others. I mean, if that's not a beautiful co-creation, and I have no doubt um, Charlie felt um, Scott in the room. Uh, I'm of the belief that when you miss somebody, it's because they are close to you. Their energetic field, their spirit, however you want to describe it, is close to you and it activates the memories within you and that makes you want to miss them. So whenever- and it's also the, the idea, right? Feeling the energy of somebody, but not having the physical representation of that person creates this, this, that I, I feel like that's what the grief is, right? Having, I love this person, but they're not physically here. So where, that's does, where does the love go? Where does the love go, right? Very funny is the other day I texted a friend. I just sent her a little picture saying, I'm thinking of you. And she texted me back saying, isn't it funny? I was I'm on my way to my parents' house. And every time she passes... Every time she goes to her parents' house, she passes the cemetery where my son is. And every time she passes it, she says, hi. She tells him, she, see, she says, cemetery. hi, Scott. So as I'm, as I'm sending her this text, I'm, you know, thinking of you, she, she had just passed the cemetery and said hi to Scott. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways we're of the belief that it's all energy, right? And so the, if 
for us, we have perhaps a harder time trying to understand the different energies and how they manifest because we're very physical beings and it's yeah. what we see here and what we can touch is, is what we believe. But I think it is all energy and I have no doubt in my mind that Scott is with you and I can't imagine him being more proud of, of how you're handling this, this entire situation and that you are honoring him in this way because it, it is a way of honoring him, sharing the story and like helping others grieve, you know, having relationship issues is difficult and lonely but the process of grief is i i imagine is also lonely and not everybody is open to talking about it yeah. so thank you thank you so much and thank you for sharing how this medicine has helped you um i think there's this idea of of it being a party drug or some sort of um you know the People have the, the ideas of what it is. Um, and unless they have fully experienced the healing power of it, um, they there's just, I, I feel like, no way to even know. It's a medicine, not a drug. People have, you know, they hear drug, they have one idea. But when they hear medicine, it has different connotation. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I'd like to just quickly uh, mention uh, just to kind of contrast your grief story with mine. I lost my mom uh, about 13 years ago um, or 14 years ago. I think it was just the 14th anniversary in December. And I had mentioned that they had my therapist had wanted to put me on SSRIs. It was because I had like a, a breakdown uh, when I lost my mom. She was 55. She was very young and um, she had breast cancer. And I had a, a little bit of a breakdown. And when they when I stopped taking the SSRIs, I shut my grief process down. And I did not think about her except once a year on her birthday. But for 10 years, until I started my psychedelic journey, I did not grieve her. I just shut it down. We did not have a great relationship when she was here. Um, we were close, but... We have very similar personalities and it was very hard for us to get along. And so it took me 10 years and it wasn't until starting on the on the medicine journey um, with MDMA and other plant medicines um, that I was able to finally, um, in a shamanic journey, I was able to have a conversation with her and put those issues to rest. And now we honor her all the time. And I have absolutely had that feeling where I'm sitting on the couch with my son We'll be watching TV and she never met him. He was born after she passed. And I feel her presence like she's doting on him. And it's it's the most powerful feeling. And I, I would not have experienced that if I had remained closed off to, to the grief process, right? So thank you again for, I mean, that story is so inspirational. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share it. The more people that that know about this, the more people can, it can help. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Do you have any more questions? No, I mean we've gone through all my my questions. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else that you would like to share? How much time you got? <laughs> as much time as you like. Sure. I mean, like there's so much to. I mean, we we have found that. Um, uh, MDMA acts as sort of a like emotional superglue for uh, for couples, and uh, we uh, we didn't need it. We was we was bonded uh, before that, but uh, 
but it certainly helped solidify and deepen our relationship uh, and also imbues our time together with elements of joy and fun and play, uh, which can all be uh, transform transformational experiences uh, and certainly bonding experiences. Yeah, it's very therapeutic to play and laugh together, absolutely. Yes, and it's therapeutic and it helps us get through the hard times of, 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 uh, of trauma and, and loss and health crises or whatever because we have so much, uh, uh, I think the, the, the cold psychological world word is capital. We have so much good capital accrued, uh, relationship capital for, for um, all, the, uh, all the, the, the joyful times that we've had together uh, to draw on during these times of, of crisis because we, we have such a, a, a strong happy bond and don't forget good sex yes well okay <laughs> well there you go hey and well, let's hear about that then. <laughs> <laughs> how much time you got uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we can't just end it at that no no well i don't know how much of that has to do with mdma but um it has a little to do with mdma because we found that towards the end of a role uh, as the, the MDMA is subsiding, um, uh, one can shift from a sensual to a sexual uh, place by smoking a little uh, sativa, a little cannabis. Or in, my, or in my case, I can't smoke because of problems with my throat. So a little edible with a little sativa and indica, which I found I need. And the combination of, of the... Uh, uh, the uh, edible and uh, and and the uh, the MDMA we like to call sextasy, uh, and so we we end all our roles in bed, having a, a blast. That's uh, a good climax to the day, you might say. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, after I read your book, we started doing that as well. <laughs> yes. Because I. I experienced a lot of the things that you describe in the book. It's it's not really a sex drug. It is difficult to maintain an erection um, while on it. So in the beginning, I did find that to be a little frustrating because I guess in my mind, growing up, I never did it, but you know, I had friends that partied on it and it kind of had that reputation of being a sensual sex drug. And I was like, I, that's, this is not my experience. I'm having a hard time actually. Um, and then we tried that. But I think aside from the physicality, it just the, you know, it, I was thinking that when we were on the Today Show, uh, somebody had left a comment. Oh, if you need drugs to, to love your wife or your kids more, you know, there's something wrong with you. Uh. And I think it's, it's the idea of, of, again, going back to taking away the fear, the fear of being vulnerable, um, allows you to create deeper connection. And that bleeds into every area of your life, especially sex. The more connected you are emotionally, the better the sex is going to be. So That's as right. we continue practicing and using this medicine together and growing our bond, like you said, the emotional superglue, the bond keeps getting deeper and deeper. 
we don't have the fear to continue going deeper where sometimes it feels like we're merging into the same entity. Yeah. And it's a it's a beautiful and amazing unifying experience. There's a picture by Alex Gray, a, a draw a painting that he did where it shows two humans physical forms and the energy is kind of together uh, and that's how i feel like when we're during sex i i feel like i'm melding into him and, yes. and we're, we're melding yes and it's the energy it's amazing yeah yeah and uh and that comes from all the times being vulnerable together and uh being being so open together Mm -hmm. I was, um, I wanted to say right now you were talking about the earlier about the playfulness and, um, you know, we f have found that, that sometimes we're rolling and situations that at one point were stressful became funny where we realized how funny it was that we reacted a certain way and that carries forward. We're on this road trip right now and it can be stressful. We have our puppy with us. Um, so, you know, there's a, at times a bit of stress with the puppy and we're trying to make good timing. And we have been joking so much on this road trip about potential things that could go wrong that would upset us. And we make jokes about being upset about certain things. Like, <laughs> oh, we lost another 20 minutes. And then, you know, we just imitate, like I'll imitate Danny being mad about it or he'll make a joke about, you know, me, I don't know, doing something to upset him. And it has become a playful journey as opposed to what normally would have been a stressful journey without having done that work of bringing in the play, the vulnerability, the, okay, it, it is silly to get upset. What are we going to do? We're on the road. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, it's going to be tiring and stressful. So why not have fun with that? Did, they, did we lose you? Might be a little bit of a lag in the signal. Oh, there we go. We're back. <laughs> I want to see your puppy. <laughs> oh, he's he's laying down on the floor. He's a puppy, but he's really big. He's like about almost 60 pounds now. <laughs> so I can't pick him up. Yeah, he's an eight-month-old lab, and uh, you know, being being stuck in the car for you know, it's going to take us another day. We're going to be driving tonight, and then half a day tomorrow as well. Um, where are you going? We're going to Austin, Texas. Ah, yeah. Well, so flying we'll there in a few weeks, and it'll uh, not Austin. Yeah, Austin. And it'll only take us like three hours. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we had the puppy and we figured it, it might be an issue with the flying with him also. So we, we went ahead this way. Um, but it's fun. And, you know, like I said, it's, it changes the dynamic of everyday situations that would normally be stressful because now we have a new program, right? Now we have a new paradigm for how we can relate to each other, how we can handle the stress. And we don't have to be rolling while we go on this road trip. We already have that inside. We already have that that neural pathway that allows us to enjoy ourselves and be playful. And as, as we've been driving, we've been talking about a lot of our experiences and how the medicine has helped us overcome so many things. 
<laughs> yeah, it's been really awesome to kind of, in preparation for this episode, going back over those experiences and kind of integrating them a little bit on a deeper level, like making more connections. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we lost them again. <laughs> oh. oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> we lost you again. Yeah, yeah. So All right. Well, we're, neural we're at pathway. You said yeah. I already had that neural pathway. Yeah. 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 It's uh, MDMA is the chemical of connection. Yes. And helps you connect with yourself and your better self and the person that you're with and nature and the world at large. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Well, we have just hit the hour mark, so this is probably a good place to end. Thank you so much, Charlie and Shelly. We love you guys. I mean, first of all, we're really excited that we're neighbors because hopefully we can, you know, see see each other more often. <laughs> yeah. We love you guys. We have been so blessed by your book and then meeting you in person. And we got to have dinner with you a few weeks ago, and that was beautiful. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and your experiences with us. Yes. Thank, thank you so thank much. You. Appreciate it. Having we'll us. It yes, yes we will. <laughs> I want everybody to head over to listening to ecstasy.com and check out Charlie's book. Uh, it's a really fun read. It's fun, but also informative. So, I mean, that's like the best of both worlds. I think I laughed and cried listening I, I listened to the audiobook and I just loved all of your stories um, your proposal to Shelly had me in tears it was uh, it's all so beautiful so thank you for putting that out into the world and I highly recommend people go out get the book read it listen to it um, and definitely take in some of that medicine yes thank you so thank, thank you. you so much um, and we are yeah it's been our whole hour um super super grateful to have um shelly and charlie on thank you everyone who has tuned in or who will tune in a little bit later to watch the replay um we of course love your feedback so leave us some comments and let you know what you think and um what questions you may have yep if you're not already please follow us on social media we're on all the big social media platforms but as you know they've been ramping up censorship um especially things deemed misinformation and sometimes um information about things classified as drugs are are considered that so also follow us on minds.com float.app and odyssey.com these are three censorship free platforms um that we are trying to bring awareness to and uh, once again, you can check out Charlie's book at uh, either charliewinninger.com or listeningtoecstasy.com. And stay tuned in a few days on Tuesday, we are going to be giving our talk, Maintaining the Frequency of Sovereignty at The Greater Reset. You can watch that for free at thegreaterreset.org. That's gonna be a really great conference. A lot of great um, speakers are gonna be there as well. So check that out. You can look at the roster at thegreaterreset.org. All right, thanks everyone. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Happy Sovereign Sunday. We love you and we will see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Love Stream podcast. Please subscribe now and join us bi-weekly on Sundays at SovereignLoveStream.com for our live video broadcast. Please check out our social media on censorship-free platforms like Minds.com, 
float.app, and odyssey.com. Find links to all of our social media at SovereignLoveStream.com. If you would like to support our show with an energy exchange, visit us at patreon.com slash SovereignLoveStream. Thank you for listening. 